You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? I'm going to describe a situation for you that is probably pretty familiar for a lot of listeners. Let's say it is Friday night and you have plans to go out to eat with your best friends, you guys haven't seen each other in months and you have a lot to catch up on, and you decided to meet at a Mexican restaurant. And you are pumped because you love Mexican food, you love chips and guac, you love queso, you love margaritas, you like the chimichangas, you know how to fiesta, and so all day long you are thinking about how you are about to go in on that Mexican food. And you also feel a little bit nervous, you might feel a little bit apprehensive because you know that most of the choices at Mexican restaurants, at least the ones that you gravitate towards, are not so healthy. I mean, there's something about chips and guac that's a little bit nutritious, but you know your eating habits and you know that you don't just have a serving of chips with a moderate amount of guac. I mean, you order the extra large and you pretty much eat half of it by yourself. (laughs) So you're feeling a little bit apprehensive and as a way to soothe some of that anxiety, you purposely restrict how much you eat during that day to quote unquote, save your calories, save your calories for that Mexican meal. So if you even eat breakfast at all, it's something light, like a a light yogurt or a piece of fruit. And at lunch, you eat something boring, like turkey and triscuits. And you're like, oh, this sucks. But you know, I'm getting Mexican food tonight, I gotta save my calories. And you know, if you even have a snack, it's like a sniff of a carrot and a lick of a watermelon, because you know that you are going to eat a lot at night. So as soon as you get to the restaurant and that man puts that baskets of warm, salty chips in front of you and he brings out the little salsa cup, you go in. I mean, you are ravenous, you are hungry, and you just can't stop yourself. I mean, you are eating these chips like somebody sprinkled a little bit of crack cocaine on them. And then you eat a large chimichanga doused in queso with the beans and the rice on the side, and you finish the whole thing. And even though maybe two thirds through the meal, you start to feel yourself feeling a little bit stuffed, you're full, you're done, you just can't stop going because it tastes so good. And like you've been looking forward to this all day and you didn't eat all day, you earned these calories, right? I hope you are sensing some sarcasm in my tone because you know that feeling when you walk out of a Mexican restaurant where you are like holding on to your friend's shoulder, gripping your stomach because that chimichanga somehow transformed into a fetus in your belly. You are that full and you go home and you lay on the couch and you are like, oh my God, I feel terrible. So. Does this sound familiar to anyone? I know it sounds really familiar to me. I specifically chose Mexican food as the example because that's my trigger. I cannot stop myself around those chips and all of that delicious queso. But I know for some people it might be an Italian restaurant or somewhere where they bring that bread basket in and you order a huge bowl of decadent pasta and you eat yourself into a food coma. 
And the reason why I start this episode with that example is because we are exploring the differences between overeating and binge eating. And for a lot of people that I work with, they don't know the difference and they're not really sure. And the inspiration for this episode actually comes from a a discussion I had with one of my DAP clients. So DAP, that stands for Daily Accountability Program. It's one of our coaching programs at Nutrition Awareness. If you're new here and you don't know who I am, I'm a registered dietitian in Central Florida, and I work with another dietitian who pops on an episode once in a while. Her name is Megan. And so we work together and we help people find solutions to their biggest health barriers, problems, so that they can reach their goals. And we use nutrition and behavioral habits and changes to help them get from point A to point B. And so DAP is our really, really uh, one-on, most one-on-one, most personalized program because we talk to our clients who do DAP every single day. It's virtual, it's on WhatsApp, it's awesome. So we really get a good insight of their eating behaviors. And so I'll give you a little bit of a laid out of who inspired this episode and kind of frame the the entire um, structure I'm going to take because I think her perspective is really going to resonate with people, especially if in the past you have struggled with binge eating or you have um, been unable to control yourself around food and you have difficulty with portions and you're not sure if it's a problem or if you need professional help or whatnot. So when this particular client came to me, I'm just going to call her Kathy. That's not her real name, but we'll say Kathy came to me. Her biggest goal was to improve her relationship with food because she had been consistently restricting, going on diets, um, trying to lower her calorie intake. But as a result, she would eat large amounts of food and she called them binges. So she would binge at night on low quality nutrient uh, devoid food. I'm talking ice cream, pizza, McDonald's all the traditional things that you would think of as quote unquote bad for you. And her goal was to break this cycle. And we did, she successfully has broken that cycle. I mean, she hasn't had a, what she would call binge eating episode in what's today. If today is the 20th that I'm recording, it's been over 20 days since she's had that because our DAP cycle starts the first of every month. So we were talking about this and she was like, well, you know, I haven't had a binge. It's weird, I I haven't had a desire to binge. I haven't felt like I needed to eat a big thing of ice cream after being stressed with my baby all day. And I just, I don't have that urge. I'm eating consistently. I'm doing my thing. But she felt guilty one night because she ate more than she had planned. I think her husband was making some like, they weren't bagel bites, but they were something kind of like that, like little party finger foods or whatever. And she just kept eating them. And she stopped herself, but she was like, oh, like, I don't feel comfortable. I feel overly full. I wish I hadn't eaten those. And so we were talking about it and she's like, I think I binged again. Like I had a binge last night and I was like, tell me what happened. Like, let's, let's figure out where, where did this binge come from? And when she explained that situation to me, that it was simply the husband had made this food that tasted good and it was in front of her face and she just ate more than she planned and felt too full, I was like, don't worry about it, Kathy. That's not a binge. That's not a binge. That's just overeating. And overeating is normal. And it happens to all of us, especially when the food tastes good and we're in a social situation like you were with your husband. It was a a food you liked and you were chatting. You just mindlessly overate. 
it's normal. And so we had a big discussion about that and I wanted to wrap that up into a podcast. And so on today's episode, we're going to explore the differences between overeating and I'm also going to share the uh, biggest signs of binge eating disorder. I'm going to share what the National Eating Disorder Association describes as the diagnostic criteria of binge eating disorder. So if you're not sure if you are struggling with an eating disorder, this might give you some insight. I will say I am not diagnosing anyone. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you want to speak to a mental health counselor before you diagnose yourself. But this is just to give you some information to help you decide what the next step should be. I'm also going to ask some questions on this podcast to help you decipher whether you're struggling with overeating and portion control or if you really do need to go see a professional or dietitian. And at the end, I am going to touch on emotional eating a little bit because I feel like that falls in the same ballpark. So before we get into it, I am going to dap, dap, dap in and tell you a little bit about dap. So they sponsor this this podcast, and by they, I mean we, because, I mean, it's just me and Megan. <laughs> we don't have paid sponsors. We're not that cool yet, okay? But our daily accountability program is our primary sponsor of the podcast. And in this daily accountability program, we help people solve their biggest struggles when it comes to sticking to a healthy diet. So a lot of times, people know what they need to be doing. They have a a brief understanding of their biggest issues. Maybe they think they know. Uh, We help them figure out exactly what's getting in the way. And then we help them figure out attainable, actionable steps to take every single day to help them reach their goals, to build those healthy habits. And we keep you accountable. We like to say that DAP is like having a virtual dietitian coach all wrapped up in your pocket that you can refer to at all times. So we have some DAP clients who are simply just looking to stick to the goals they set with us through previous coaching. And we have fresh clients who want their plan set up. We help them come up with a new approach to eating. Very simple, very straightforward, but very personalized to their life. And then we help them set the right goals that they can actually stick to so they can lose weight, improve their relationship with food, gain weight, exercise, reach fitness goals, all the things we hold you accountable to. So if this sounds like a program that you can get down with, I invite you to apply because we are going to start our next cycle on September 1st. It's a 30-day program, and we only accept a select amount of clients into this specific program because it's really, really personal, and we want to make sure that everybody in the DAP program is getting lots of love from us whenever they need it. So if you want to go ahead and apply for the DAP program, I'm going to go ahead and spell out the link, but I'm also going to put it in our show notes. So you want to go to orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching, and you'll scroll to the bottom of the page and you will see DAP apply here. And you just click that little application. It takes just a few minutes to fill out. You share some information with us about your biggest eating struggles, your goals, what questions about the program you have, and why you think DAP is going to change your life. And then Megan and I will reach out to you personally within about 48 hours and invite you to either move forward or explore different options for you. So we are really honest. We don't want to accept anyone into this program who isn't a good fit. I mean, that's not fair to you. It's not fair 
fair to us. And we will direct you in a way that is actually going to benefit you. And that might be a different form of coaching. So again, orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. All right, there's no C in dietitian. If I see you putting a C in dietitian, I'm going to come after you. (laughs) Okay, let's get right into today's episode. We're going to start with the definitions of overeating and binge eating, just to help you understand exactly what we're talking about here. So overeating is simply eating too much. Did your brain just explode with that complicated definition? I know mine did. I'm like, what? Overeating? Eating too much? Yes, it's just eating too much. So some examples would be going back up for seconds on dessert because it tastes so good and it's your favorite. But then you feel a little bit like uh, uncomfortably full afterward. Or if you eat the whole bag of popcorn while you're watching a movie because you were distracted and mindlessly munching. A good example would be Thanksgiving dinner. A lot of people overeat at Thanksgiving. It's just the tradition here in America. I don't know why we do it, but it's just the most glorious day of the year where we go ham on some ham, turkey, you name it. (laughs) Does anyone know that rap? You name it. So that's overeating. Then there's binge eating. So what is binge eating? Binge eating is defined as the consumption of large quantities of food in a short period of time, typically as part of an eating disorder, but I should say it's a continuum. Uh, You'll hear me say that again a little bit later, but binge eating and binge eating disorder are uh, separate, but binge eating is part of binge eating disorder. So some examples of binge eating would be finishing a whole entire cake in one sitting and then feeling guilty about it. So not only do you physically feel uncomfortable, but you mentally feel bad about it. Or sneaking snacks and food into your room or in your car to eat in secret. You don't want anyone to see you eating said foods and it's usually really large portions and you eat it quite quickly. Or it could be ordering a to-go box at dinner, but obsessing over the food in the to-go box, the whole entire remainder of the dinner, and then eating the rest on your drive home in secret with your hands. I often see binge eating in my office with my clients with people who try to convince themselves not to eat something, and I'm doing air quotes here, bad, all day, but then they consume a whole family-sized box of Cheez-Its and half dozen donuts in one sitting after dinner because they are just so deprived of nutrients, they binge eat to get that food in. So those are the differences. And I wanna say right off the bat, just like I did with that example with our girl Kathy, that most overeating is normal and it's not a cause of concern for many people. It usually happens around specific events, occasions, parties, gatherings, holidays, as long as it is something that only happens occasionally, it's not the norm, most people are going to be fine with a little overeating, but you know, what occasionally means is quite relative, right? There are people who often overeat calorically dense yet nutritionally void foods in excess. And therefore, they may deal with some health consequences as a result. So let me give you an example. Let's say there's a woman, Jill, (laughs) she frequents a local burger joint three times a week and she orders takeout on the weekends. She will habitually order large fries, a double cheeseburger, a side of ranch dressing, and a milkshake. Sometimes she'll eat it all, sometimes she doesn't. 
She doesn't feel guilty about it afterward, but she doesn't really feel physically comfortable. Like, she's not ready to go run a marathon. She'd rather just sit back in her office chair and drool. (laughs) But she doesn't beat herself up. Now, she might judge the food because she knows it has caused her to put on excess weight and it's influencing her cholesterol and her heart health, but she's not judging herself or her character. Any bad feelings are simply at the food and knowing that that wasn't the best choice. This is not the same as a binge eating episode. It was a woman consciously making a not so healthy choice more often than recommended for general health. When overeating starts to feel regular and it becomes a bit compulsive and something you can't control and something that you almost subconsciously just do out of automatic habit or in response to restriction or emotions, that's when it becomes a problem. So per the National Eating Disorders Association, NEDA, the diagnostic for criteria of binge eating disorder is as follows. First, it's going to be recurrent episodes of binge eating. An episode of binge eating has some characteristics. There's two. The first, it's going to be eating in a discrete period of time, usually within about two hours. An amount of food that is definitely larger than what most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. The second characteristic is a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode. For instance, a feeling that one just cannot stop eating or control what or how much one is eating. They might feel like they are zoning out or blacking out. They might be consciously thinking, I don't want to do this, but they just do it anyway. The binge eating episodes are also associated with three or more of the following. One, eating much more rapidly than normal. Two, eating until uncomfortably full. Three, eating large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry. Four, eating alone because of embarrassment about how much one is eating. Or five, feeling disgusted with oneself, depressed or very guilty afterward. So you need three or more of the following. Binge eating disorders are often marked by distress regarding the binge eating. So someone is aware and they do not feel happy afterward. They feel stressed out. The binge eating occurs on average at least once a week for three months. This is per per the NEDA. And the binge eating is not associated with the recurrent use of inappropriate compensatory behaviors like purging or throwing up afterward. That would happen in bulimia nervosa. It does not occur exclusively during the course of bulimia nervosa or anorexia nervosa. So binge eating is not followed by any kind of over-exercising or throwing up. It's just, that's it. The binge eating episode happens and, and you don't do anything else. So a few points that I wanna highlight based on the diagnostic criteria. The binge eater will find the episode of binge eating quite upsetting. If there is no emotional upheaval over the meal, it's not binge eating disorder. Also, the binge typically does not take place in public. The eating is a private behavior. To most other people, eating in mealtime is a time to be shared and enjoyed with friends, but a binge eater will do it in silent. 
An example would be ordering a particularly light meal or even just a normal meal at a restaurant, but then going home and stopping through a drive-through for more food and eating a large amount without anybody knowing and then feeling shameful afterwards. The binge eater does not feel normal physiological cues like hunger or being full. Now, I would almost argue that, uh, that that statement that I've heard other people make about binge eating. I think it's true for a lot of people, but I think, and from experience and from talking from clients, because I've definitely had binge eating episodes myself, I struggled with that for a long time, I've talked about that before, um, I will feel a sensation of fullness and I can register it, but the difference is the binge eater will continue to eat anyway. So they might notice the physiological fullness, but they just say, I don't care, I'm gonna keep going. Or they just feel compulsed to do so. Now, this compulsive desire to eat is motivated by emotional cues more often than not. Emotional cues could be sadness, loneliness, anger, stress, frustration, and grief. This is why the beginning of a binge eating episode can feel incredibly relieving, right? It induces strong feelings of pleasure, of comfort, but geez, man, the aftermath of a binge eating episode is also emotionally overwhelming. The binger will not only feel that physical discomfort of over-consuming food, but he or she will also feel guilt or shame and any of the negative emotions that initially triggered the binge. Now, one thing that I want to add in is something I learned by uh, Brene Brown. If you haven't heard of Brene Brown, then you're obviously not watching our Instagram stories on nutrition awareness because I talk about her all the time. She is a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work, and she talks about shame and guilt all the time. And in her book, Daring to Lead, and and she talks about, or no, Daring Greatly, uh, but she talks about this in a lot of her TED Talks and whatnot. She explains the difference between guilt, shame, and embarrassment. So guilt... If you felt guilty after eating something, you would talk to yourself a different way than if you felt shame or embarrassment or judgment. So let's say you just ate all that Mexican food. Let's go back to Kathy. If she felt guilty, she would speak to herself like this. She would say, I feel bad. I ate all of that. I feel bad about myself for eating all of that, all of that Mexican food. So she's feeling guilty about the uh, the action. Now, shame, shame's different. Shame's I would say worse. (laughs) Shame is she would speak to herself like this. She would say, I am such a fat pig. I'm a loser for eating all of that. I said I wasn't going to eat that much. And I did. I am such a loser. Now, if we think about our hamburger gal, Jill, she would think, "Eh, that's not the best choice of food. I wish I hadn't eaten that. That's judgment. She's not judging herself. She's judging the food. Shame is judging yourself and and tying something really negative to your character where guilt is not feeling good about the action that you did. So an overeating episode wouldn't have that negative connotation to how he or she feels after eating. You know, the overeater might acknowledge like, oh, I ate too much, but they won't let it affect their self-worth as a human. That's key. It doesn't affect their worthiness of love, of acceptance, of connection, of of wonderful things that life has to give. 
In fact, you might have noticed this. I have a lot of friends who just have a very naturally just healthy relationship with food. Like, uh, God, hate them, right? <laughs> but they just can like eat something and not really think about it or they don't really think about food. They like food. They like the taste of food, but it doesn't really influence them on a deeper level like it does me or a lot of the people I work with. And I had this one friend, this one gal who just like, she never really ate healthy. She was in my dietetics program. Like she liked healthy food, but she would just self-monitor portions and she wouldn't stress out about food and she had like a six pack and I'll always remember whenever we would go out to eat and she would eat something like fattier or unhealthy uh she would like make a comment and say oh like I have such a food baby and she'd lean back and like laugh and pat her stomach but then she'd just stop eating like the chips could be in front of her for another 30 minutes like if it was nachos or something and she would just like not eat it like, she would overeat and then just be like, oh, I ate too much and laugh and, and, and move on with her life. She just would stop eating and she didn't have a preoccupation with the food. So whenever we would leave a restaurant or whatever we were doing, she wasn't sitting there like, oh my God, I ate all that, blah, blah, blah. She just moved on to the next thing that she was doing, whether that was taking a nap on the couch or taking a walk around campus, she just moved on. And so that's the biggest difference between an overeater and somebody who's binge eating. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of binge eating disorder? Well, I'm going to ask a few questions and I want you to consider if any of these are true for you. And this is specifically if you are concerned about whether you have a binge eating disorder. So you might say some days, even though you want to stop eating, you cannot just help yourself. You want to stop consciously, but you just can't stop for whatever reason. Or some days you surprise yourself with how much food you can eat in a very short span of time. You might have a binge eating episode and you look at the trash or the boxes in front of you and you're like, oh my god, that was a lot of food in 30 minutes. You might feel horrible or guilty after you realize how much you've consumed after that binge is over. Or it seems like every night you go to bed and you think, tomorrow is going to be different. I'm going to start my diet brand new day. Now, if you find yourself nodding along to most of these symptoms and you're like, "Uh, yep, that's that's happened to me before, this could be a sign that you have binge eating disorder. Uh, You know, I do want to say only a trained mental health professional can make an accurate diagnosis of binge disorder. But I do want to say this if, if you're feeling this way because, you know, I have had those binge eating episodes and I know it can almost exacerbate those feelings of guilt and shame that I talked about earlier. And so I'm going to share something that I hope mitigates those feelings. And that is because binge eating disorder is so private and it is always in secret, people don't talk about it. And I get people to talk about it here in my office because it's one-on-one closed doors. And I promise you, you are not alone. You are not the only binge eater. There are lots of people who struggle with binge eating disorder and either don't know it or aren't willing to admit it. So you are really brave for listening to this episode. And if you were nodding along with the binge eating disorder questions, I really think you should give yourself some credit and a little, I'm giving you a little virtual hug right now. Um, I know it's COVID, so virtual hugs are okay, Um, but you're really brave for listening to that and accepting that. And I encourage you, if you're really concerned to, to get help because you're not alone, And you can really, you can break free from this. I have a lot of people that I work with personally who struggle with binge eating and we work through it. We figure out solutions. It's not a sexy process. There's a lot of emotional digging and hard work and repetition that takes place. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not something you just change overnight. It takes hard work. 
But if, if you're really concerned and you want help, I would love to, to help you guys do that. Feel free to send us an email to orlandodietitian.com. You can go on our website and, and share your story with us if you need help or, you know, find a, a mental health professional in your area. But speaking about feelings and all the things, I know, God, feelings. Ugh, I've recently been on like a personal self journey with you know, being more accepting of feelings. I think a lot of times a lot of us want to avoid feelings because we, we want to control our environment. We want a problem to solve. And many times when it comes to feeling sad or lonely, that's a big one for me. I feel lonely in a crowd of people <laughs> that it's difficult to comb through our emotions and accept them as they are. And for a lot of people, emotional eating is a reoccurring issue. So we've talked about binge eating disorder. We've talked about overeating. But what about emotional eating? What about numbing out not-so-happy feelings with food? I think that a lot of people, women especially, can relate to eating emotionally in some kind of way. Eating for comfort rather than hunger. Take the classic example of, you know, eating a whole pint of Ben & Jerry's after a breakup. I mean, we've all done that. We've all felt sad and, like, ate something, right? But this process becomes, you know, out of control or if it it becomes out of control or frequent, that's when it's easy to feel confused whether you are somebody with binge eating disorder or just a tendency to numb out emotions with food, right? There's some people who numb out with scrolling through Twitter, with online shopping, putting a bunch of things in a cart and saying, screw it, this feels good, I'm going to buy it, uh, and then paying the consequences later. People who numb out with, of course, alcohol, cigarettes, drugs. There are lots of things that people use to numb out emotions that don't feel good. And eating is just a very easy, accessible method. Now, binge eating and emotional eating are not necessarily two separate issues. They can be, but they're, it's a continuum. Remember when I said that I would bring up that continuum thing? It is. It, it, they are one process that occurs on a spectrum, and there is a clear point where a disorder can be diagnosed by a mental health professional. But how, you don't need a diagnosis necessarily to know that your quality of life is being disrupted by the use of food for comfort. Now, just like overeating, it is also very normal to emotionally eat sometimes, right? In times when we just need to comfort ourselves or unwind, take the edge off, or even celebrate, right? Reaching for something indulgent is an easy, very accessible way to do the trick. Oftentimes, people struggle with emotional eating because as children, whenever we were feeling bad, we might have had a guardian or a parent who taught us that when good things happen, we go out for pizza and ice cream. Or when we lose or something sad happens, we make it feel better with pizza and ice cream. And then as kids, that's a very easy thing to turn to because, you know, fingers crossed, most kids don't have access to, uh, you know, camel lights or a bottle of Jack Daniels. Food's there. They can open up the pantry and snack away and then go in their room and hide wrappers. So it's something that people learn when they're very young. So we learn emotional eating at a young age and it's normal for everybody. But here's why it sticks. It sticks because it works, (laughs) right? It freaking works. When we start eating, our bodies tap into a relaxation response. And for my science geeks out there, this is the parasympathetic response, our rest and digest response. Mm, Yes, as humans, we digest food really well when we're calm. So when we shift 
into this relaxed state, it happens when we start eating. It feels good. It hits dopamine receptors in our brain. It's happiness. What is happiness? It is a warm cinnamon bun on a cold night when you're feeling alone. It is a cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows and whipped cream. Gosh, it just, it feels good. And then we start eating and our breathing becomes deeper and our heart rate decreases and our muscles relax and all these things happen and we calm down. So it works, but it works until it doesn't. (laughs) This response does not last long. Have you ever noticed that the first couple bites of something always taste and feel so much better, but then it just kind of loses its novelty as you keep going? Well, this is why. Emotional eating is a tool to relax, but it doesn't really address hunger and it doesn't address whatever negative emotion we are trying to numb out. I mean, at the bottom of your pint of ice cream, you're going to find that problem still there looking back up at you, probably with another problem, including a, a tummy ache or feelings of uncomfortableness, guilt, shame, etc. So eventually this emotional eating goes from comforting to distressing. And the way you can figure out if you've gone too far with your emotional eating is to ask yourself the following three questions. Number one, how else am I dealing with uncomfortable feelings or hard situations in my life? Number two, how much am I eating? Am I eating, you know, a whole pint of ice cream or just enough to make me feel better? Three, how often am I using food as my go-to coping strategy? Okay, I'm going to say those again because I think they're really important and I would really recommend you write these down and hang them on your fridge or keep them in your phone if you feel like emotional eating has gotten a little bit out of control for you. So number one, how else are you dealing with uncomfortable feelings or hard emotions? If you're not implementing other coping strategies and food or drink is always your go-to, you really need to start challenging yourself to find other ways to handle uncomfortable feelings. And this is where I'm going to come in with my own personal opinion about this. I think if you Google things like uh, how to stop emotional eating or whatever, you'll find band-aid solutions. You'll find instead of eating, go for a walk. Uh, Instead of eating, go, you know, watch your favorite TV show. In my opinion, these are just numbing out emotions in in different packages. It's the same problem in a different package. I mean, why would you go, instead of eating, go watch TV? Uh, And not that walking's bad. I think walking's great if you are using it correctly. But a lot of times people use exercise to run away from problems and it can become a problem. It can become something like orthorexia or another compensatory behavior to negative feelings. I truly think the best way to deal with uncomfortable feelings is to call a friend and talk about it, uh, talk to a pet, journal about it, sit down and meditate, think about it, sit with your uncomfortable feelings, recognize them as uncomfortable, accept them without judgment, talk to a professional about them, doing something to address the feelings head on instead of numbing them with something else. Because oftentimes when you actually address the emotion, that negative uncomfortable feeling and you just let it be, that desire to numb out goes away. That hunger feeling, that desire to just run away gets a lot less intense. I mean, that's just my two cents. I don't think it's a very sexy answer. I think it's a really hard answer. I know it's hard for me to accept that sometimes I feel lonely and I feel hurt and I feel depressed. But sitting with those emotions is a lot more effective long-term. It's a better investment overall than ordering Uber Eats. Okay, the second question, how much am I eating? 
I mean, this is relative to you and, and what's important to you. How much are you eating? Are you, you know, having a snack size bag of popcorn with a couple pieces of chocolate? Or are you eating a whole bag of Skinny Pop and two Snickers bars? Right? It's all going to be relative to you, but you can decide what a normal portion is. And if your portions are freaking you out and they're happening quite often, that could be a sign that you have gone too far. And the third one is how often are you using food as a go-to coping strategy? So if you're a pretty chill person, you're pretty even-tempered, you don't have a lot of stress in your life, so once in a while when something happens, you know, your dog runs away and you're stressed out and on edge about it and he comes home and you, you, you're like, oh my god, I just need, need a drink or I need something, I need a snack, then it's probably not an issue. But if this is happening to you on the regular, if you're at work and you're really high-strung and you're constantly doing vending machine drive-bys or digging through your drawer and snacking just to take the edge off, then that is a problem. That means you've gone too far. So if these answers, if your answers to those questions feel a bit off to you, if they kind of make you go like, ugh, they kind of make you cringe a little bit, you might be closer to the binge eating side of that spectrum. I would encourage you to talk to a professional and see how you can nip the problem in the butt because I, I tell you what, unless you address it, it's only going to grow and it's only going to get worse. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up. I think we went through a lot and I really hope it gave you a lot of insight. Again, I want to encourage you to explore your own relationship with food. I'm a firm believer in taking pen to paper and journaling about it, writing it, and just allowing your thoughts to be thrown up all over a piece of paper. If you ever learned in psychology as a kid in high school, uh, something called the stream of consciousness. And the stream of consciousness is where you just write what you're thinking without judgment. You just set a timer for two minutes, for 10 minutes, however much time you've got, and you just write whatever's on your mind. And so I would say pick a topic and start with your relationship with food and just see what comes out. You you know, you might be talking about your uh, guilt over overeating Mexican food, and it turns out to be something to do with the stress with your your parents that you haven't addressed or with your significant other or your uncomfortable life situation that you just haven't wanted to think about. I think it's really powerful. And, uh, you know, I'll say this, I'll end here is food is not black and white. How you eat is not black and white. Good and food, bad, all that stuff. I think you're trying to, you can tell my, my tongue is getting a little bit twisty here, but there's no such thing as bad and good food. There's no such thing as a good diet and a bad diet. It is a lot more complex and surface level with that. So if you have unwanted eating behaviors you are trying to address or fix, go beneath the surface. And if you need help, if you need someone to force you to do that and really face that stuff head on, I encourage you to apply for the daily accountability program for DAP. I'm serious. I mean, we're there to listen to you every day. So as soon as you feel a trigger to emotionally eat or overeat, binge eat, if you're not sure what to eat, if you're not sure what you should be eating, if you have no idea where to start because you are overwhelmed by all of the diet information out there, apply for DAP. We're going to help you find a solution. So if your ultimate goal is to be able to fit into a size six pants um, and stop stress eating all the time and know how to make a healthy decision when you walk into a restaurant, but right now you've got all of this road blockage ahead of you, this emotional binge eating, unwanted eating behaviors just getting in the way over and over again, or if you keep going on yo-yo diets, if you're restricting food and then binge eating and then trying a new diet every Monday and you're just sick of it, then we want to help you. DAP's going to help you. So go apply. Again, our website, orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching will take you 
through all of our different nutrition coaching processes, but DAP is awesome, especially if you're not local to Central Florida, because we can help you right away. We'll get you started. If you guys have any questions about DAP or me, my credentials, Megan's credentials, if you just have random podcast topic requests, you can also email us. Uh, I think actually, let me take that back. I don't mind if you email me, if you find my email. But direct messaging us on Instagram is probably the most effective way to get an answer. We are at nutrition period awareness. There's a little dot between nutrition and awareness because somebody took it and we can't get it back. So we have a little dot in there. Oh, well, we'll survive. Uh, Go ahead and send us a uh, direct message and follow us on Instagram. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the next episode. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate.